situation, focusing on addressing the root cause for imbalance. Food has the power to help you achieve lifelong optimal health without the side effects of prescription medication. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. I am Stacy Seslowski, Functional Nutrition Registered Dietitian. And I am Leah Grace Barrick, Functional Nutritionist. Hello, you guys. Um, so excited to be back. I think this is episode number 12. Am I right, Leah? Yep, number 12. So we're, we're getting on, we're moving along right here, and we're really excited today to have a special guest with us. Dr. Mandy Patterson is the founder of an online wellness consulting business that empowers high-performing women to find optimal health. As an occupational therapist, certified holistic health coach, functional medicine practitioner, doctor of naturopathy, yoga instructor, and mom of six. She shows women that they can have lasting, vibrant health. Using a lifetime of personal and professional experience, she bridges the division between conventional and alternative medicines, creating a simple, holistic health plan that shows women that achieving wellness can be invigorating and fun. Mandy's mission is to empower women to dig deep in their quest for optimal health, to discover their confidence, and to help them commit to mindfulness and a vibrant lifestyle. Mandy offers personalized one-on-one coaching and group program options in person and online to equip women with the tools to be the healthiest version of themselves. Thank you so much, Dr. Patterson, for being here today. Thank um, you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. From that long list of <laughs> experience that you have, I feel like being a mom of six might be the most challenging of everything. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> I give you so much credit for that, and we might have to do a whole nother podcast on raising six children. <laughs> Um, so Mandy, why don't you sort of give us a little bit more information about yourself and your background, maybe tell us a little bit about how and what motivated you to sort of leap from the more conventional world of occupational therapy and jump into the more functional naturopathic uh, world of naturopathic medicine. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as everyone else that's been on a health journey or a family health journey, um, mine started about 18 years ago um, when my oldest was born three months premature and weighed a pound and 14 ounces and spent over five months in the NICU. Wow. And yeah, so it was um, a it was outside of what I thought um, starting out motherhood was going to be like. And um, he ended up with a lot of complications, um, including um, a it's an early premature thing that can happen with little babies um, where they get a gut infection. Um, and it was called um, necrotizing intercolitis. Mm -hmm. um, and from that, he ended up with um, a part of his small intestine being taken out along with his large. So um, it was quite traumatic. Um, and he had an ileostomy. Um, for a period of time. So, um, and he ended up having a, he was going to have it longer, but ended up not nutritionally 
um, being able to um, thrive with it. So his surgeon reversed um, the ileostomy. Um, and so he no longer has one, but um, ended up with a lot of nutritional deficiencies because of it and a lot of long-term gut issues that were just really hard. So, um, and from that, I, when he was um, a toddler, even into like um, preschool years, just really struggled. And I just, they, you know, we would go, um, he was a part of Riley Hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, Children's Hospital, and we would go there to see the specialist. And, um, you know, they're just, they just kept giving us more pills and it just felt like we weren't making headway. And he was just, you know, really uncomfortable and certain foods triggered um, problems for him and he missed a lot of school. So um, that's kind of when I, that was the beginning of my naturopathic, um, even holistic health journey when I just started doing my own research and um, started looking into ways that like we could heal his body. So. Mm. Wow. That yeah. is insane. I can't even imagine as a first time mother going through that and what a traumatic experience that must've been for you and your family and him. That is crazy. Wow. Yeah, it was rough. It was hard. And um, that just really spawned this like passion with insight within myself. I've worked with critically ill patients for years, um, actually 18 years. I've been in the hospital um, setting, um, also assisted living. And I just see what these um, people suffer through and go through. And I just felt like there's like they, you know, there needs to be more people in the world that are proactive from a preventative side of things and healing the body. So yeah, definitely. Well, that's a good segue into today's discussion, um, which was hard to decide what to focus on because you covered so much with your education and you are basically a wonder woman. <laughs> but we wanted to focus today's conversation on the impact of trauma on physical health. So we would love to hear about your perspective on how trauma impacts your patients, your clients, both physically and or emotionally. Sure, certainly. So I see this all the time in patients with chronic issues um, that they just really struggle. And it's uh, like I see a lot of even like post-traumatic post stress disorder where they, um, you know, have and it can be like trauma from like when they were younger, um, even into like, you know, middle age. And it just really impacts their overall um, gut and digestion and just nutrition. Um, overall. And so um, like one particular patient right now, um, she's got really significant issues and it goes dates back over 30 years. And um, we've really started digging into that. And um, I just see the stress that surrounds that and how that's impacted her ability even to eat right now. Um, she has a real fear around um like so many different foods because she doesn't know what that's going to do as far as triggering symptoms in her body. And, um, you know, has like, has, um, the inability to go out in the public because she fears, you know, if she can eat what other people are eating, you know, I, I see so much like, you know, what is so embedded in our culture, um, is just, um, like, you know, interactions with other human beings. And, you know, I think this has really um, come to light with the COVID crisis and the pandemic is how, you know, just human relations is set on 
um, just that connection with other people and being in one's presence and just being able to share and eat and partake. And, you know, so many celebrations revolve around food. Like for instance, here in the US, you know, this is the week of Thanksgiving for all of us. And, you know, I think um, those of us that work around nutrition and um, psychological things that like we can see like what a trigger that can be for the patient population that we work with. Um, and it just can trigger like um, irritable bowel symptoms. And, you know, they just have stress surrounding that. So um, as a, you know, a yoga instructor myself being trained in that, um, you know, really see the importance of mindfulness and working through that trauma experience. And as a coach, just, you know, being that sounding board so they can share and you can really dig into that and how that impacts them from a unique um, physiology side of things. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, you know, it's amazing because I feel like people who have experienced those traumatic events sometimes don't connect their physical, the effects that they have physically, their, you know, maybe indigestion or issues with um, their GI tract and, or even other um, aspects of their physical health, as well as the way that they handle stress in the future. So can you explain sort of like how are those connected, that original trauma, and then how that impacts their, you know, physical health, and then the way that they react to stress in the future? Yeah, certainly. So and I think, you know, this is becoming more and more commonplace that we hear about this, that, you know, our gut is literally our second brain and how interconnected our gut and our brain are from, you know, the autonomic nervous system. And, you know, I think that as and I see this, you know, just I've recently lived in a different country, Australia, in fact, and um, they are still really connected in meeting in person. And I see the change that's happened in the US where we've gotten further and further away, away from like human connection and um, just being in one's presence. And so, and we're so busy, like we're so, um, as a society, um, we put so much emphasis on what we do and our career paths and our accomplishments and checking off all the things on our and those boxes that we forget to remember to slow down and just listen to our body being checked in and being connected. And like you said, um, getting into like even um, like some gut symptoms and like, um, you know, acid reflux is one of them that, you know, there's just such a th this thought process behind, oh, well, when we have um, you know, reflux that it is um, too much stomach acid. And in fact, it's, it's the opposite of that, that we don't have enough stomach acid. And what's happened is over time, we've become disconnected from our own bodies. And we're not even making that connection. So I think that as practitioners, um, that are more holistic focused, that, you know, we really help to dig into that with clients and patients and helping them see that connection and how like our gut feeling is our body telling us, hey, you know, um, we've got a problem here or, hey, we need to like tune into this and check, do a mental inventory on like what's going on. Like what is that stress in our life or is it, you know, 
um, a, a, an unhealthy relationship um, or like a job situation that we're, you know, feel like we're feeling like we have to do um, and get up and go to every day and we don't have fulfillment in that. And so I think that that, you know, all can um, manifest itself in different ways in, in different people because, um, you know, we're all different from a bio-individuality standpoint. So, um, so yeah, that's how I, I see that in patients and clients. Yeah, that's so interesting. And Stacy and I on the podcast talk a lot about the gut-brain connection and how real it is. And I love your focus on helping your clients really tune in and listen to their bodies because so many people, people I work with, I'm sure people you work with, Stacy, have no idea and like don't even think to take that second to take a deep breath and actually say, how am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And it's always the rush, 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 busy, 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 as you mentioned. So that's really important. And so with the physiological changes, maybe it's gut issues or IBS or anything like that, do you find that those are reversible in these people? And also what strategies do you use with your clients who have experienced trauma to help them recover? Most certainly. So um, I think that um, what was most important is um, just seeing where they're at from like a wanting to make changes in their life. Um, and I and I find that that is difficult for people because they want to change, but they're so stressed out that they don't even know where to start. So for me, um, you know, as a practitioner, I think it's really important in just calming things down. And so, you know, when I start to work with um, with clients and patients, I really work on mindfulness and tuning in and just listening to that body and like calming things down and, you know, a simply easy things like eating hygiene. Um, you know, when we talk about like IBS and like digestive issues and all of those things, simply being present and seeing that as like a sacred thing, just to slow down and just to be still and just to enjoy and savor our food. And I see that with so many clients where, you know, they're literally inhaling their food or they're eating their food in the car on the go, or they're grabbing their kids food, like, off, like that's their food is like literally their kids leftovers um, because they don't have time to like prepare or even think for themselves. And so, um, I think that that is just so in incredibly important. Just, you know, so starting with the basic foundational things, you know, I think as practitioners, we know so much knowledge and we have so much education that we lose sight of it's the most simplistic things that have the biggest um, impact. So, um, you know, so that's where I start with a lot of my clients is just slowing down, being present thinking about the food that we're going to eat, um, you know, just simply chewing, like um, from a protein side of things, you know, in meat, like if, if, you know, you have a meat eater, just thoroughly chewing. So I tell my, um, you know, tell my people, I'm like, you know, make sure, you know, count your chews, like, you know, uh, like really tune into that. And that can really make a big difference. Um, just those simple like lifestyle things that you can add into your day and, you know, so. 
Yeah, I, I really appreciate you sort of starting with things that are just so accessible to us, like starting with the more simple. A lot of times we have these complex conditions and we get so overwhelmed, like, well, you know, how do we even fix all these things that we've had that have been developing over a lifetime? And sometimes it's just easy fixes and we don't even think, we like skip over those things. And I know Leanne and I have been talking almost every single week about calming strategies and breathing before we eat and getting our bodies into that rest and digest. So thank you for, for re-emphasizing that. Um, so um, can, if we started to think more about like how trauma impacts people's relationship with food and how it could lead towards some types of disordered eating. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit more about maybe your experience with working with people who have had traumatic experiences and then it leading to disordered eating? For sure. So I think like, you know, if we approach it that thoughts can become toxins. So in going back to, you know, the layers and layers, um, and that's what I always like in, and I'm sure you guys have in your own practice talked about this is like, literally I see health as like, it's an onion. So you have to peel back the layers of that onion and like work through those things, um, either with a coach or like a mental health counselor, you know, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, um, someone that's trained in mental health. Um, and so, you know, and I think that that is like the starting place or the starting ground for working with in working from the standpoint of being successful. Um, so, you know, as functional medicine practitioners um, and holistic health professionals, we're trained to kind of go back at, to look at a person's timeline from even before they're born and like what their mother did, you know, even in, um, you know, the up and coming science from an epigenetic side of things is that, you know, even our like grandmother's um, habits and patterns can impact us even before we're born, which I think is just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just so important to dig into. So going back to that timeline and seeing, you know, what maybe symptomology is going on and like, you know, connecting that to maybe certain life events, be that trauma um, in their life, be that like a toxic relationship and or maybe even something like physical, like a car accident um, where it was just like the perfect storm because, you know, we look at health as a stool in functional medicine, um, like, you know, with the legs of the stool and like how that can contribute to um, dis-ease. I like to say dis-ease because it's a, you know, I don't like that um, disease because it just feels like we can't do something proactively about that. So um, digging into that and just going back and talking through that with them, um, you know, and I feel like that unresolved conflict that we see in people's lives, if they don't work through that, that's where dis-ease is manifested down, down the line. Um, so, you know, the mental health side of that is just so incredibly important. And I think even right now, you know, we're in the middle of this um, worldwide pandemic and as practitioners, I mean, I'm just really seeing the impact that it's taking on people's um, overall health, like their digestion, um, just from a nutrient absorption side of things. You know, they always say we are what we eat, but we're not really what we just eat, but it's what we digest, what we assimilate, um, all of those things. So, um, 
So I really feel like, you know, those things have to be worked through in order to finally get to the place of somehow finding optimal health. Um, so amazing. Yeah, I love your analogy of the onion and peeling away the layers and also bringing in the functional medicine timeline, which can be so helpful, especially, you know, things that happen earlier in people's lives where they don't think it's significant, they don't really give two thoughts about it. And then when we as practitioners pinpoint it, and we're like, Oh, that could actually lead to something, a traumatic event could lead to a eating disorder or something like that. And then you work on that underlying issue versus just kind of treating what's happening in the moment. So that's yeah. really great. Um, so I'd imagine people, the first step um, would be acknowledging the connection between that traumatic event whenever it happened in their life and their eating disorder pattern. So once they figure out um, when this happened, this event or what it was, what would be the next steps for someone to help them create eating, eat, <laughs> create better eating patterns? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll give you guys an example because I, I think people can relate to examples. And um, so currently I have a patient that has really significant IBS, um, possible irritable bowel disease going on. So we're working through that very slowly. Um, so when I started working with her, you know, we talked about doing an elimination diet and um, really just starting to kind of tease away and find out, you know, really what was the root cause of um, her symptoms and what was causing her to just feel so bad. Um, and, and I think, you know, one thing that I've learned with the practitioner over the years is that every single person is on their own um, health journey. And so sometimes certain people that deal with a lot of trauma, they have to go very slow because these emotions come up as physical manifestations. And so um, we started working together. We were about two or three sessions into um, a, pro a coaching program and she called me just like, just so upset. And she was having some other stressors go on in her life. And she was like, I cannot do this this quickly. So I need to take a step back. And I think that's so important for us as practitioners is learning to ask important questions and to listen. And so for her, um, you know, we're doing the work, but we're going at her own pace. And, um, and so she's thriving and she's doing well. And so, you know, in each week, different things are coming up and there's different foods. And so like, I'll help her look through her food journal and we're looking at those things, but we're also looking at the connections that go along with that. Like, okay, so for on this particular day, what was going on? Well, um, one of her triggers right now, which I think is really making things bad, is she has a new grandbaby. Her first new grandbaby was born three months ago. And um, her son and daughter-in-law live three hours away and um, daughter-in-law's in healthcare. And so they're having to be very careful about exposures and all of those kinds of things. Well, that is triggering a lot of mental um, just exhaustion and frustration for her. And so we're kind of really working through that on deep breathing and just calming the mind, like really working on her self-care. Um, Cause you know, you know, as nutrition professionals, like we want to just jump in and like work with the food, but like for her, it's just been so important for her to kind of work through some of these things and just 
have somebody to listen. And I think that is so key for, you know, the whole lifespan. You know, I work with a lot of adolescents too, and they simply just need to be heard and they just need to talk and just unpack those things that are just holding on to them. So, um, so yeah, so that's like one um, example that even in my own practice, I've just recently seen. And so, you know, we're just, again, it's okay to just go slow and just, you know, trauma takes a lot of time to work through. So I have found, excuse me, I have found exactly what you're saying that like, I have these handful of patients where they just say that they're so sensitive to everything. So like, even like this, you know, a, a third, a quarter of a dose of like any vitamin or mineral supplement that I tried to give them, it hurts their stomach or, you know, like the tiniest things, like you're so right, like things have to go so slowly. Um, yeah, they're super sensitive. And it also just feels like for them, like just things like just sort of stay in their gut and it does don't get digested, don't move down their gut. So yeah, those are exactly what I've been experiencing. Um, but then I also get like sort of the other side of the coin where I get these people who will tell me that they've experienced trauma and they say it so nonchalantly, like they'll tell me something that happened that's like in my mind, like like something very serious and they just say it and they're like, yeah, but I'm over it. No big deal. You know? And so like, do you find like, how do, do you, have you had patients like that? And then like, what, how do you get them to like acknowledge that this is deeper and there are more effects that they aren't realizing? Definitely. Um, yes. I see that so much. Like um, I have a current client right now um, that has pretty entrenched insulin resistance going on. And so we're really working on that along with some hormones and things. And, you know, she keeps telling me, oh, well, I don't have many things that like really um, bother me or impact me. You know, I've had a pretty good childhood and, you know, she's in a happy marriage. Um, her kids are um, like her youngest has recently graduated from high school and he's in college. And so, you know, she's kind of in that like midlife, like um, just path and she doesn't really work. Her husband has always worked. Um, and, but like, you know, for instance, she finally did, uh, I allow my private coaching clients to have kind of, um, access to me outside of our coaching sessions. Cause I feel like that really, um, fosters like a, um, it's that connection. And I feel like as coaches, like people need to know that you're there to support them. And um, so she recently shared with me, like she had some symptoms going on last week. Well, come to find out um, she had gotten into an argument with her father and it had to do around um, the Thanksgiving holidays and all of those things. And then she also made this connection. Oh, well, I had um, this weird thing going on my foot and um, was just kind of saying, I've got some of these symptoms going on. And so like as a coach, you know, I feel like our roles are to like kind of frame that back to them and say, well, you know, and kind of make that connection. Well, have you thought about and just proposing and kind of having them explore that? Because only really, you know, they can answer that question for themselves. But, um, you know, so that's like a specific example of, you know, something that I just recently had come up with a client. Um, and so I think that, you know, uh, presenting those things in that manner um, just really make people think, you know, they have to take a step back. And so sometimes in the coaching relationship, it can take many sessions to get to that place for them to be able to see it. But I kind of see it as 
we're planting those seeds for them, like on their own personal journey to maybe come to that conclusion. And I've even had that in my own um, health journey, like certain things, you know, that would come up and I, I have to take a step back and really evaluate how is that really impacting me, you know, as an individual. So that's such a good point that it really has to come from them. And I think, you know, for us, our job is giving them the space and the cues. And then once they come up with it, then they might connect the dots a little bit. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a really good point with that. So when people hear about the term disordered eating, often we think about anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, but do you feel that emotional eating and obesity even could also be placed on the spectrum? And do you treat these different manifestations in a similar way? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And I see a lot of this in my practice. And even um, I've even had this experience personally with a daughter who um, goes back to when she was eight, was diagnosed with attention deficit. Um, and it somehow as she's gotten older has gone into an anxiety disorder. And now we actually even deal with binge eating. So, um, and she's one of those um, challenging cases in trying to go back to, um, you know, I can't say that there was any particular trauma in her life. And she's worked with several different practitioners outside of um, me being her mother. Um, but she, um, we, we've learned a lot along the way. And, um, you know, I think that, um, it definitely can fit under, you know, I feel like binge eating is one of those diagnoses. And I, I don't really like the term diagnoses, but I feel like it's one of those conditions that kind of gets um, kind of pushed to the back um, because we hear a lot more about anorexia because it can in some so many senses be more of a very serious condition where you know these these people are losing just extreme amounts of weight and are so nutritionally um compromised um that you know certain things like even the binge eating and those things kind of you know fall to the wayside um but i do think um that they all have an emotional like triggering, um, sometimes traumatic event um, that is connected. And again, like going back to um, if, you know, from a practitioner side of things, um, unpacking some of that, or even, you know, like a skilled mental health counselor that helps to really work through those things. And I think that as lay people, and even like family members of, of people that deal with these things, simply just being present and just listening. Um, so I'm doing a lot of that with my daughter. Um, she doesn't necessarily want to take the supplements or the foods that I'm suggesting to her. Um, and, you know, too, just recognizing like I'm not in her shoes, like from a lived experience side of things, she experiences things very differently than myself. Um, but what I've learned to do is just tune in as her mom and just listen. And so like even yesterday, we went out and did some shopping and um, I took her out to eat. And I think just getting rid of that shaming that like I think so many of, of people with anorexia and bulimia and binge eating deal with that, like it's a worthiness thing, too. Um, so digging into that, like, you know, and just really helping them to see that they're so valuable. And they each individually have so much to offer the world and they have their own unique gifts. 
And I think just pouring into that and, um, I, you know, I, I've done a lot of this also, um, with therapeutic, um, hippotherapy, um, over the years I've worked with clients, um, with developmental, um, disorders and even, you know, eating issues and those kinds of things, but just empowering those people and helping them to see their worth. And then I think then the eating, those kinds of things can come, but I think at the root of it is a trauma thing. And it's, you know, an emotional, very deeply emotional thing. Um, and so that's what I've seen a lot in my practice and in my own family. Yeah, it's, it, that in, and, and in beginning when I first started working and I first started seeing people like this and patients like this, I just, I felt so at a loss because I always want to help and do and, you know, and get them better. And, you know, and I, I think you're right. You, like as practitioners, we sort of have to just like stand back and just listen and let them do the talking and just like ask the right questions to like sort of trigger thoughts in their mind. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's their, it's their journey. And like, there's only, you know, like we can just be there, but they really have to do the work. So yeah, I, I, I still kind of struggle a little bit with this because I just, I always want to help so much, you know, and I just, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm always doing the right thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, do you have any final words of advice to help? I know you, your, your practice is focused on empowering women to live a vibrant life. So what are your sort of like final words for advice for women, for people with trauma, for people with disordered eating and just people in general? Definitely. I think um, just going back to being as simple as possible with all of this. And I think, you know, if you're struggling with these kinds of things, it's so important to find the right person to help you. And it might not be the first person that um, you come to um, for help, but finding somebody that can really just be a great listener and a great sounding board um, and helping work through those things. I think is imperative. So I think, you know, from a connectivity side of things, um, you know, finding that person that just really you feel good, like you feel that connection with you, you feel good about it. And it leaves you feeling like empowered and um, inspired, you know, to, um, to do better and be better, um, I think is so important. And, um, you know, some simple things that even in my own practice that I just recommend or recommend with people that may come to me for help is um, just calming your mind and just, um, and sometimes, you know, that can't be done just, just simply like sometimes, you know, you do have to add some supplements in, or, you know, I think, you know, something that is just so powerful is just moving your body. And I think as Americans, we're, we're so competitive that we think that we need to go to the gym and do a CrossFit class or like, you know, run three miles and all of those things. And simply just getting out in nature, walking the dog, you know, being grateful and like listing like those things that we can be, um, just have gratefulness around. I, I think one thing that like I've been a bit bothered with is even on social media, which can feel toxic at times, um, depending on who's showing up in your newsfeed or like, you know, what influencers are out there telling you to do things or whatever. Um, but I think that, you know, obviously the pandemic has been so hard for so many people and like it's from a mental health side of things, even for the strongest people. 
um, can be so hard. But I think that as a society, we need to recognize there, there have been many blessings this year, you know, and sometimes, you know, for some people, this might've been the best year for them. Maybe their company has really started performing well, or they were able to get themselves out of debt, or, you know, maybe they welcomed a new baby into the family, or, you know, maybe they got themselves a new pet. And um, so I think just like really just focusing on those things, like, you know, what can we be grateful for? Um, it's just a great like starting place for like building health in general. So amazing. Yeah. Mindset makes such a difference and having a gratitude practice is huge. So I, I love that. That's a part of what you work on with people. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's all good. I just said yes. I think it cut out a little bit there. So <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Mandy. You are clearly such a compassionate practitioner and it's amazing to learn from you and hear about your insights with trauma and how you work through that with people. So thank you so much for being here with us. Certainly. I've been so blessed to be here with you guys. Yeah. And I just wanted to quickly share with everyone how you might be able to find Dr. Patterson. There is her email address and her, you can find her on social media and on Instagram. Um, but are you currently accepting patients, you know, virtually and in person? I think that's what I read. Yes, I do accept um, new patients and I'm currently uh, working on launching some group programs for um after the first of the year um, that will be geared towards women, um, busy women, um, women that basically want to take their health to the next level. Um, so I'm going to create um, a bit of a roadmap for that and offer some group coaching around that too. So love that. Love that. Well, thanks again. As Leah said, you are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll have to have you back. I would actually love to dig into the topic of that neonatal um, nutrition and what you learned about, you know, the connection between functional nutrition and functional medicine and the neonates. Because I know right now, there, I don't know that there are that many you know, practitioners looking at that. I think it's mostly conventional medicine looking at premature babies. So that would I be completely agree with you. And I've we've had our own journey with our son who's 18 that, you know, it's it's been interesting to see his journey and how that's evolved. And so yeah, we'd love to chat more about that with you guys. Awesome. Well thank you guys. We're excited to have the the end of our twelfth um podcast and looking forward to more and more to come so have a good week happy thanksgiving everybody and we'll see you next time see you guys bye bye, -bye.